Are you well this morning? Are you well? Are you well? Excellent. 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 All good. I'm glad you uh, sang and sang well and sang hard then. Because it occurred to me that, come on, we are, we are singing to God. You realize that, don't you? Yeah? You can talk to me. It's okay. You can talk to me. You can be as loud as you like. You can talk to me. It's all good. But it does occur to me. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm as mad a football fan as the next person. I think you know that. <laughs> and I love a good shout and scream at the footy. I love supporting your team and passionately letting people know where you stand. It's all good. I figure we can do that in church too. You think that's okay? Yeah. So when we're praying or when we're singing, you know, you're allowed to go for it. God, God doesn't mind. <laughs> it's okay. You know, break the shackles a little bit. We were singing a song earlier today that chains be broken, lives be healed. You're allowed to let it out. Is that okay? Good. I'm glad you're with me. Open up the Bible to Romans chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. Romans chapter 5, we're going to keep going. And uh, heartfelt commiserations, Rakesh. I, um, Tim McCallum's not here, so we can't pay out him as a saint supporter. <laughs> but Rakesh, please remember Rakesh in your prayers this week. Saint supporter. And Michael Murphy, I'm not sure if he's here, but I saw Cam. So Cam, if you can pass on to your dad, we understand. How, what a big supporter Michael is as well. I mean, here's me, you know, paying out Saints supporters. At least you got to the grand final. Melbourne supporters. <laughs> yeah. Two favourite words. Next year. Next year. <laughs> We've been using them for decades. <laughs> and we'll keep using them. It's all good. Ah, <sighs> Never mind. Hey, um, we're going to keep going on the learning a new normal journey this morning. So let's just pray as we open up Romans chapter 5. Heavenly Father, we pray. God, we can have a lot of fun and we can laugh a lot and, and get involved in, in footy and, and other things, Heavenly Father, that are part of the wonderful life that you've blessed us with. But we pray, Lord Jesus, at, at this moment, at this juncture, that we will understand that all those things, that as fantastic and as exhilarating and passionate as they are, they're not where it's really at. Where it's really at, Lord Jesus, is you and with you and through you and in you, your hope and your heart for individuals, for collective groups of people, for nations and for the globe as a whole, for your family. God, that's where it's at. And we recognise, Heavenly Father, that our, our search for, for justice, our search for wholeness, our search for all things that are right and true that search is only found in you. So God, our heart this morning is to enjoy the wonderful blessings that you've given us, but to focus in under all of that onto you, Heavenly Father. So we pray, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as a church. We thank you, God, that we can gather here. We know it's school holidays, so we pray for those who are away, are traveling, are not well, are unable to be here. We pray that they will be well and whole and blessed and looked after. And for those who are able to be here this morning, God, we pray that your heart would be imprinted upon ours and that as we open your word, God, we would hear, we would understand that very thing that we're supposed to understand today. God, whatever it is that you've got in store for us today, we pray, God, that as individuals, because we all hear different things, we all understand different things, but you are such an amazing God that even as the words that I've prepared, Lord Jesus, 
they're from you. So we pray that as they come through this vehicle, that every individual, God, will hear what they need to hear for today. That your word, the living word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide spirit from soul, will cut where it needs to cut, will heal where it needs to heal. Thank you, God, as you love us so much that you care enough to give us your love and your heart every moment of every day. Thank you, God, as we open your word. Bless it and cause us, Lord, to hear from you today. It's in your mighty and precious name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Romans 5, 12 to 21. I opened my eyes after praying and it's a lot brighter in here. Was it just me? Or? Wow. <clears throat> Romans 5, 12 to 21. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all men because all have sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and that gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned, through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man and many, were made sinners, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a powerful piece of scripture. It's it's pretty full on. And it's pretty wordy and it's pretty, wow, it's a little hard to kind of dissect and understand kind of instantaneously. And I hope you understand and I know you do that in the way I go this morning could be a little weird and you could go, what's going on there? But I hope you understand that and I'm sure you do. When we first started this journey, I approached it in a very, very simple way and that was just to say, God, I know that you've asked me to do this and and read and pray and preach my way through Romans. And I know you've given me this title, Learning a New Normal, which is, as we know, all about understanding God's pattern and doing things a different way to the way that the world currently does them. But my one prayer right at the start, and and I'm sure I've mentioned this, if I haven't, I say it now, was God, show me what you want our church to understand. So that I wouldn't just be preaching a a series that 
uh, was marketable or, or fancy or special or, and someone else could pick it up. No, no, it, it's for our church. If it's of any value to anyone else outside these four walls, fantastic, but that's not its purpose. Our purpose, the purpose that I believe God placed on my heart for this series and season of preaching was simply to be able to hear and discern and pull out whatever God highlighted in the belief that that would be what we needed in our part of this journey. Does that make sense? So many people, I'm sure, would have preached all sorts of things based on these sorts of scriptures, which are unbelievably full of theological patterns and phrases and ways of going. What I will pull out of it this morning, you probably go, well, that's a bit simple. But that is what I believe God wants us to hear this morning. So I hope and pray that it rests well with you. As I read through, because really my pattern for this, and I, I don't know if I've explained this or not, my pattern for this is simply that each time we preach a message, like, uh, like where we were last week, we got to Romans 5 and I finished after verse 11. So when I start again this week, I just start reading at verse 12. And it might be that whatever God has in store is the first word of verse 12 and therefore we only look at one, one verse this week. But it might be that it's something, you know, a long way forward, so I read a whole chunk. It just depends what God highlights. This time, this week, I read from 12 to 21, but in the middle of that, in verses 15, 16 and 17, was where God really caught my attention. And I'll read that for you again, verses 15, 16 and 17, in the middle of what we just read, says this, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of that one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You can tell by my vocal highlights, I hope you can, that I'm focusing on a phrase that says, but the gift, but the gift, and the gift, of the gift, again the gift, the gift. It comes up about six times in those three small verses right in the middle of what we read this morning. Paul writing to the church at Rome, reminding them of the gift of God, the righteousness and the hope of Jesus Christ. And it occurred to me as I was reading and praying and saying, God, what is in here for our church today? That it was a simple reminder that the Lord Jesus Christ the hope attached, the salvation attached to the name and the power and the person of Jesus Christ, the gift of God is the answer to every question we have, is the solution to every worry you have, is the antidote to every excuse you have. The gift of God covers all of this and more. But I'm not sure if I'm good enough for God. But the gift of God is available to every person. I don't know if I really understand God and the gift will help you to understand. But I've done too many bad things. Again, the gift of God will wash over your sin. Well, I think I love God, but I've still got some questions about how it all works. I'm not really sure, but the gift of God allows room for questions, but envelops you in his love simultaneously. So if you're taking notes this morning, simple message, learning a new normal, number 14, 
or but the gift. See, I truly believe, I truly believe that life is amazing. Life is full of opportunities and challenges for every single person if you're prepared to get involved and go, have a go. I also truly believe, even more than that, that life in God is even more amazing. It presents even more opportunities and comes with even bigger challenges. Anybody prepared to you know, give me a wave or an amen or anything? That's good. I'm glad it's not just me. It's nice to be amongst friends. Just smile to the person next to you and say, see, it's not just the footy that's exciting. The Word of God's pretty exciting too. See, I've got this little theory that as we travel along in life, even if we know this, even if you realise that life is amazing, full of opportunities and challenges, and even if you realise that life in God is even more amazing, full of more opportunities and even more challenges, even if you know all that, As you journey along in life, something happens, and this is what happens, you bump into yourself. As you go along in life, you bump into yourself, and you realize your own limitations and your own insecurities, and it all comes out. Am I just talking to myself? And you learn stuff. The older I get, the more I realize the less I know. You bump into yourself and you go, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. And as all this humanness, it's not really a word, but I like the look of it on paper. As all this humanness bubbles up in you and comes to the surface and all spills out at various points, Three things tend to happen. We ask questions, we create worry, and we make excuses. We ask questions, we create worry, and we make excuses. But hang on a minute, didn't I just say before a massive statement about God and His free gift? Yes, I did, and I'll make it again. God is the answer to your questions, the solution to your worries, and the antidote to your excuses. His free gift covers all of this. But the gift answers your questions. But the gift is the solution to your worries. But the gift is the antidote to your excuses. So if we accept and understand everything that we've learned before, that God's free gift of righteousness is actually Him and His presence and His love, and if we accept God into our lives... Him and His presence and His love, His righteousness pours into us. Not that we deserve that, but His free gift, His righteousness pours into your life and you are changed and different from that point. Not perfect, just changed and different and ready to do what God calls you to do. You will still need to remember, as do I, every minute of every day, but the gift to keep us on the right track. But if we accept and understand all that, then it makes sense to have a look at the gift and what it's able to do. And I say it, I mean God, what He is able to do in your life. Otherwise, it's like kind of being given a gift or a present and not opening it and having a look inside. And I don't know, but I mean, does anybody here ever receive a gift and not open it? (laughs) Anybody? 
Have you ever received a gift and not opened it? No, neither have I. So why, if God is standing in front of us and offering us the free gift of his love, his righteousness and freedom in him, eternal life and abundant life in him, he says, here is the gift. Will you not receive it? You receive it. I think we want to open it and have a little look inside. Have a look at God. Say, okay, God, what is in you the gift for me and how should I respond? So I want to look very, very briefly this morning at those three things that I believe the gift of God in our lives is able to do for our lives as we travel along. The answer to my questions, the solution to my worries, and the antidote to my excuses. Nice and simple for you this morning. If you're taking notes, they're the only three points. If you're not taking notes, hopefully you can still remember those three things. The gift of God is the answer to my questions, the solution to my worries, the antidote to my excuses. Number one, the gift of God is the answer to my questions. Who likes to ask questions? Anybody? That was a question. (laughs) I like that. I do. And I think it's incredibly important that we ask questions. I really do. How, How other... What other way is there to learn if you don't ask questions? You must be asking questions. And I actually, I mean, I think it starts if you've, ever, if you've got kids or you've ever had kids or you're in the middle of raising kids, kids ask a lot of questions. <laughs> they really do. Normally, especially as they're little, two, three, four years of age, the question is simply, why? Why? Later it develops into, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? And questions of that nature. But it starts with, Why? 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 You can have a conversation with a child that goes on for hours, them asking the same question. And you just answer the question with a new answer every time. Well, I, I see, I think this is part of the way we learn. Children ask adults, parents, responsible others questions. And from the answers, they learn. I think it's exactly the same with God. He is the ultimate father. Our father, my father, your father. And he wants us to ask questions. He wants us to be honest enough and vulnerable enough in front of him, our creator, our saviour, that we actually ask questions. Say, God, I don't quite understand that. I'm not really sure how that works. Have a look through scripture. Have a look at the life of Moses or David or Gideon or, or Abraham, or any of these great and wonderful men and women of God. They ask questions. They say, but how am I going to do that, God? I'm not equipped to do that. What are you going to do for me here? How are you going to make that work? I don't understand that. I'm feeling a bit like this. They ask questions. And we're allowed to ask questions. Questions are good. I had a question from my kids in the last week or so, obviously, as I've spoken to the family about my decision and my prayerful understanding of what God is calling us to do and what happens next in life. The, The obvious question, the first question, um, came from Zachary, who's a, a, a question asker. And he stopped and he thought, and you know, he's 10, but he loves a question. And we're sitting around the table and he, he looks and he says, hmm, okay, this is after I've just told him that, that I really feel that I'm not going to continue to be the pastor of the church. Zachary, 10, says, why? Great question. Really good question. Prompted another whole discussion. Happy, really good. Tobes. Toby asked a question too. He's eight, he's a bit younger. His question was a bit more simple and straightforward. Can we still sit in the front row? (laughs) Good question. Fair enough. (laughs) 
But questions are good. That's how we learn. And the point is, as their dad, I was happy to answer the question. I wanted to answer the question. I was expecting questions and more than happy to answer them. That's where we've got to be brave enough to treat our heavenly father as a father. And say, God, I, I don't really get this. I would like to understand this. Could you please explain this to me? I guarantee you, God will say yes. Isn't that the basis of prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Thanking Him, praising Him, saying, you are wonderful God and we love you and thank you for everything you've done. I've got a question for you. It's chatting with God and allowing Him time to talk back. Because sometimes we fill our prayers with our own voice and we don't allow God the time to actually speak to us. Try leaving a a gap for an answer. I mean, I I think it would be the same. You you and I must be very similar in this, I'm sure. One of the most frustrating things is trying to have a conversation with someone who keeps talking. Just keeps talking. There's no room there for the answer. And I reckon it's the same when we're praying sometimes. I don't know that... I don't know, I'm not God, but I would understand if God got a bit frustrated with us because we just keep talking and not leaving him enough time to say, I heard you and I've got an answer for you. Are you ready to hear it? Now, sometimes, of course, we're not going to be particularly happy with the answer. That's part of the whole answer question nature. God may have an answer for you that is not exactly what you wanted to hear, not exactly what you were ready to hear. It's kind of part of the way I feel, to be honest, just to put a personal example on it. In my prayers over the last six to 12 months saying, God, what do you want of me? Where do you want me to be? It became very clear that he no longer wanted me here leading this church. And I'm going, but that's not fair. We've been through all the hard stuff. (laughs) We worked really hard to stay on top of the mess and it's just getting healthy again. And the people are growing and happy and going forward. And we got a nice new building and everything's working. And you want me to stop? That's not fair. That's not the answer I was looking for. But if it's the right answer, you've got to be prepared to listen to it and take it and take it on board and go, okay, if that's what you want, then show me how I'm going to walk through that and live that and show me what you want me to now do. We've got to be prepared to be that honest with God. And sometimes it hurts a little bit and sometimes it's not exactly what we wanted to hear. It's not the answer that I had penned into my plan for my life. But if it's what God wants, then are we prepared to do it? The gift of God is the answer to all my questions. It was a standing joke when I was a kid growing up in in Sunday school that if you answered God, Jesus or love to any question any Sunday school teacher asked you, you'd probably get it right. Didn't matter. You didn't even have to concentrate. (laughs) You just whack your hand up and choose one of the three, God, Jesus or love, and you were bound to be right. And in a strange kind of way, that's actually true. Because the answer to every question I can possibly ask is God, Jesus or love. Because it's the same thing. The Bible says God is love. And love is at the heart of every single thing you and I do. It is the answer to every question you ever raise. 
This is very, very different to the way the world tells us to behave. Here's where the learning a new normal comes into it. We're told from the moment we enter this world, through our cultural structures, through our economic patterns, through our educational facilities, we're told that the answers to all our questions lie inside of ourselves and in our individual and personal ability to work things out. Well, I'm sorry, but if that was the case, the world would be in a far healthier place than it is right now. It is not true. The answer to your life and mine, the answer to creating a better society, the answer to helping people live better lives and develop strong communities and love one another and fix the problems that we find, the answer is not you and me and our strength. The answer is the power and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of God. The gift of God is the answer to all my questions. Number two, the gift of God is the solution to my worries. Anybody here ever worried about anything at all? (laughs) Ridiculous question, redundant question, rhetorical question in many ways. Because of course we have. It's part of our human condition. We are worriers by nature. Some more than others, but all of us worry at various times. I remember reading a university survey years ago. I wish I could find it. I went looking for it this week. I couldn't find it. But I remembered some of the detail in it. It was actually a, like a, you know, a, a proper ratified university survey that discovered and proved something like 25% of the things we worry about are imagined. They're, they're just part of our imagination. 50% of the things we worry about never actually happen. And 25% of the things we worry about we have no control over anyway. So at the end of the day, there's no point. There is no point in worrying. But we're a worry-filled world, aren't we? Worry, anxiety, massive in our culture. We worry about money and possessions, clothes, cars, houses. We worry about jobs and careers. We worry about people and relationships. We worry about health. We worry about personal futures, future of the world. We worry about the environment, the trees, the oceans, the animals. We worry about today, tomorrow, and yesterday, next year. We worry about everything. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying that any of those things on that list are wrong or bad. They're all good things that we should be thinking about and occupied with and focused on but we should not be worrying about them. Worry leads to stress. Stress leads to a lack of ability to actually find the solutions to the very things you were worried about in the first place. Plenty of famous people have tried to encourage us not to worry. Here's a little selection. Ernest Hemingway. Worry a little bit every day and in a lifetime you'll lose a couple of years. If something is wrong, fix it if you can, but train yourself not to worry. Worry never fixes anything. Benjamin Franklin, do not anticipate trouble or worry about what never may happen. Stay in the sunlight. Mark Twain said, I've seen many troubles in my lifetime, only half of which ever came true. (laughs) And author Charles Kettering said, if you're distressed by anything external... The pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your own estimate of it. And this, you have the power to revoke 
at any moment. All wise, all wonderful, all terrific. All of these scholars, leaders, authors, poets the world over have tried to help people to stop worrying. But it isn't really working, is it? It isn't really working. We're still a worry-filled people. But we need to learn a new normal here. We need to follow the words of Christ himself. Christ is very, very clear about worry. Let me show you. Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, just very quickly. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, Christ speaking, by the way, to his disciples as part of the Sermon on the Mount, the first eight chapters of Matthew, Christ said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's the simple words of Christ. He says, I actually know that you need to eat. And I know that you need a place to sleep. And I know that you need some clothes. I got it under control, guys, he says. Stop worrying about it. Because I will fix it for you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all that other stuff, I'll give it to you as well. But focus on me first. The answer to all our questions, the solution to all our worries, the gift of God, the righteousness of Christ. The answer to my questions, the solution to my worries, and finally, is the antidote to my excuses. An antidote is is a cure, a, a remedy, something that fixes the situation, makes it new and right all over again. And we all need fixing up, eh? Anyone here not need any fixing? Nope. We all need a bit of fixing. There are plenty of times in life we make excuses though, aren't there? In fact, every day we'll make one or more excuses of some kind or another and none of them are much good, really. I would suggest that all of our excuses need some form of improving but I'm specifically talking here and now about the big excuses, the ones we make to God about why we're not doing what he asked us to do. Big ones. Here's a quick example in Matthew 22. We won't turn to it, but you probably know the story. Christ himself speaking to his disciples again, a parable of a wedding feast, a wedding banquet for a king who, whose son was getting married. He'd already invited everybody 
And when it came time and everything was ready and prepared and the, the feast was ready to enjoy, the wedding barbecue was organized, ready to go. He sent the servants out and said, go, go get them all, all those people that we invited, go bring them in. It's time. But no one came. No one came. Of all the invited guests to the king's son wedding feast, no one came. And they all sent back lame excuses. Actually, I was talking about Sunday school before. I remember a song in Sunday school that we were taught about this particular banquet. It goes something like this, if I can remember it. I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me excused. I cannot come. That's it, I think. (laughs) Does anyone else remember that? Anyone else go to Sunday school somewhere between about the 50s and the 70s? I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me excused. I cannot come. I always thought it was a kind of cool song. And if we were a bit naughty and a bit silly, we changed the words around. <laughs> I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have bought me a field. I have married a cow. I have something. <laughs> something silly. But the point was, apart from the fact that it was a fun song, the point was, I remember this story quite clearly because of that song. I hope and pray that the disciples remembered what Christ was saying and I hope that we remember what God is saying today. That every excuse that you can possibly make, there is an antidote to our excuse found in the gift of God. That there's no need for us to be making excuses to not be able to serve God, to not come to His planned wedding feast. Because if we will put ourselves in His hands and if we will receive the gift of God... The gift is the antidote to the excuse. We've got to change our focus and our attitude toward responding to God. We've got to put ourselves in a place where we point in the right direction and allow God to shut down our excuses with the antidote, which is quite clearly the presence and power of God. It's great to ask questions. It's great to ask questions. And he is the answer, no matter what the question. But the gift. It's not good to worry, but he is the solution, no matter what the worry is. And the gift. And it's really not good to make excuses. But he is the antidote, no matter what the excuse is. Again, the gift. So what is the answer to all my questions? God, so focus on God. What is the solution to all my worries? God, so focus on God. What is the antidote to all my excuses? God, so focus on God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that just those simple words found in Romans chapter 5, but the gift can have such an impact on our hearts and our lives. 
I pray, Lord, that this week as we journey through this week and the weeks to come, the next stage, the next season of our life with you and our lives together. God, at any point when we have questions, at any point when we have worries, at any point when we find ourselves making excuses, God, I pray that those three simple words would come into our heads and our hearts, but the gift, the gift from you is you. The gift of God is righteousness. The gift we receive through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is abundant life and eternal life. The gift is the answer to everything but the gift. So God, I pray that those three simple words would be etched into our memory and burned into our heart and soul as a foundation stone, not just for days and weeks to come, but for life to come, but the gift. Any time we worry, any time we make excuses, any time we have questions, but the gift. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Heavenly Father. Open our hearts and our minds to hear and receive from you. You are a mighty God. Bless this wonderful bunch of people, Heavenly Father, every man, woman and child here, every family represented, that God, as we step up and step out this week, as we head out to do the very things that you've called us to do, whatever it is, Lord, that you are working in us and through us at the moment, in our schools, in our universities, in our homes, in our places of work and employment, in our communities, our streets, wherever we are, God, I pray that we can represent you in truth, in spirit, in honesty, with a genuine understanding of the gift that is inside us. Thank you, Lord. I praise your mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. Smile at the person next to you. If you know them well, give them a hug. If you're married to them, give them a kiss. If you want to be married to them, pass them your phone number. (laughs) Have a wonderful week. Bless you. We'll see you next week.